You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call one 858 Your local tire and uh, time now, Dougie, to go to Dan Cherney from Code Sports. He's got his. He's a man with a finger on the pulse, and so much happening in the world of football. Dan, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, David and Richard. Good to be with you. Don't know where to start, but I think we need to go to the Zorko sledge. And, you know, not, not often players cross the line these uh, days, but for a player to be in tears like Harrison Petty, something obviously was said close to home and uh, hasn't fully come out. We're hearing whispers what he said and what he didn't, but uh, what are you hearing? Uh, look, I, I mean, I, I'm a little bit reluctant to sort of delve too deeply into, into the, the rumour mill, not having confirmed it myself. Although I, I will say that... Um, Mark Robinson, the Herald Sun, reported that it was something along the lines of, uh, Lazorko said something along the lines to Petty of, um, I want you, uh, I hope your mother dies yeah. or something along those lines. Which is obviously, if that's the case, that's horrendous thing to say to anyone in any circumstances. Um, bizarre. I mean, that, that would even cross your mind to say. Um, and just this, you know, horrible scenes at the Gabba at three-quarter time. Sounds like Melbourne really had to try to defuse the situation there with... Um, they, they were concerned that it would um, spiral out into, uh, into into ugly scenes, perhaps in the final quarter or even at three-quarter time. Thankfully, that didn't eventuate. You know, we saw the scenes at the end of the game with Sorko and, and Petty, and they sort of, after yeah, a bit of a yeah. talk, they, they, they shook hands. It sounds like Harrison Petty has accepted Dane Zorko's apology. He's comfortable where it sits. Um, it's pretty embarrassing for Dane Zorko at the very least. doesn't look like there's going to be a sanction at this stage. Um, yeah, that could yet change, but it sounds like you know, I feel as comfortable with where, where the situation has ended. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting because a sledge of that nature probably doesn't cross into racial or religious or sexual vilification, yeah. but uh, it's just it's still it's still personal and um, obviously just a, a terrible thing to say to anyone. So very very poor from Dane Zorko. Uh, I, th- I think I think everyone accepts it, even if it wasn't exactly those words. It was something. It was an unacceptable sledge about a family yeah. member and just don't know why you think to say that. I know he's um, getting on. He's had injuries too. He's been in and out and looks like he's a bit agitated at times, but he, he's a nutter at times, Dane Zorka. He wants to <laughs> fight everyone, wants to – he's an angry man, apparently nice guy off the, off the ground, but um, the way he's playing his footy too, he's got to be careful. Like, uh, Otherwise, you might get reported for other things. Yeah, no, you're right. He, has, he does seem to find himself in – obviously not this that, that level of extreme, but – these types of situations probably too often, and you're right. He, he looks probably coming towards the end of his career, and it's been an outstanding career. He's been a brilliant player, having been a mature age recruit from the Lions. Um, he's been captain during a you know a moderately successful uh, era. But uh, yeah, I, I do worry that he will sort of well, he, sh- he should be remembered as a, a you know a real um, champion of that club, and and I do mm. worry for his sake that he will be remembered for, for some of these reasons instead, um, because, uh, a lot, perhaps overshadowing how good a footballer that he's, he, he has been. But 
to that end, he's only got himself to blame. Yeah, I think, Dan, on that, though, he's put a bit of a target on Brisbane this week. Obviously, coming against Richmond in the following week, the final. Heat now comes on them as a club, doesn't it? They haven't produced their best footies, footy in finals against big clubs. Certainly put a target on him himself individually, but as a club, if they drop that one, it's ugh, it's big ramifications for that footy club, isn't it? Yeah, huge. No, I completely agree, Richard. I mean, he, uh, yeah, from, from a target perspective, it's fascinating that whether whether Richmond will will go at him anymore. But but even leaving that to one side, they uh, they've they've only won, I think, is it uh, one final over the last three years. That was a qualifying final against Richmond at the Gabba in that 2020. Gone out in straight sets, both 19 and 21. Lost you know, several finals at the Gabba. They've been there about top four three years in a row and, and didn't get it done. And this year they haven't even finished in the top four. So while they, the club has managed to turn itself around on field for, for the most part, you know we remember how how lowly they were for, for several years there. Uh, if you can't get it done in the finals, it doesn't uh, you know lose a pretty bitter pill. And, and ultimately that's when you you know you, you can get there, but you've got to actually get it done come September and, and they get to mm. do so. So, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure. They, they certainly, if, if they go out in the first week, given their, their recent history in finals, it's, um, I think there'll be a lot of soul-searching that club. And, you know, Chris Fagan's done a good job, but I think the question will start to be asked, well, is he is he the long-term man for, for that role uh, if, if they have another finals failure? Dan Cherney, our guest. Dan, the handling of Ben Rutten's been just awful. And Ben's such a lovely bloke and... He gets them to the finals last year. They miss out. They've had a poor year, no doubt about that, for varying reasons. But just the way it's been handled and the condemnation from everyone, the footy public going on to the, the Bombers, has been incredible this week. Yeah, it has. Look, it's been a humiliating week for Essendon uh, on so many fronts. Uh, I think it was a long time coming. Uh, a, a lot of, I think, um, a lot of decisions they've made and, and things that they've overlooked in favour of sort of uh, optics over substance, I think, have come home to, to roost over the last week or so. Uh, you know, the fact that, I mean, just by into the fact, and, and I, look, I, I'm, this is going to sound disrespectful to North Melbourne, but uh, you know that Alistair Clarkson should choose North Melbourne, a club sort of perennially downtrodden, two and nineteen, having coming off, you know, one of the worst home and away seasons in recent memory, that he wanted to go there rather than Essendon. Yeah. Um, says says everything about where Essendon are at. And then uh, yesterday, as Carlton Collingwood, two of their fiercest rivals, went head-to-head in front of almost 90,000 at the MCG in a huge home-and-away game. The Bombers, their chief executive and president, were fronting the media um, across town at the hangar, uh, having to explain how yet another coach had gone by the wayside. And, yeah, Ben Rutten, look, I, I, he had a very, you know, probably you know, clearly did not have a good year on field. Uh, he's got a young list. Um, probably still hurt. Probably, it's interesting. I think if you if you flip the two years, say that last year they'd won seven games and finished third or fourth bottom, and then and then this year they'd made the finals. Everyone would think they're on the upward yeah. trajectory. Yeah. Um, perhaps a victim of his own success in his first official season at the helm. But yeah, I think uh, whether you think he's a good coach or not, and I think that's clearly up to debate. But um, I think whether he's a good coach or not, he was not treated with dignity. Um, you know, there's widespread condemnation from across the coaching fraternity. Um, Essendon greats have launched into the club as well. It's just been a, a, hor- a horrible week for the, for the Bombers. And uh, they look, you know, they look, look like a mess at the moment. And, you know, they're, they're trying to lure perhaps someone like Ken Hinckley to, to the, uh, the Bombers. I don't know why Ken would, notwithstanding, you know, his precarious job at Alberton, <laughs> would you that, really yeah. want to go to Essendon? That, that was my next point, Dan. I mean, as a footy club, as a coach coming in, you want to make sure you, 
they're in a really strong position off field, but who's going to want to coach at Essendon at the moment? You know, it's uh, not a club exactly you're going to want to walk into with all the unrest at board level and, and what, what club, what direction is the club taking? Obviously a young list, but a little bit of shaky ground and, uh, you know, seeing how they've treated truck, you'd be a bit nervous going in to be a new coach at, at the Bombers, I would have thought. Yeah, no, you're right. And look, I suppose at the end of the day, there are only 18 of these jobs. So it's rare that um, coaches turn jobs down. I mean, there's, there's very few Alistair Clarksons around who, who really have the choice of, you know, mm. perhaps half a dozen jobs. But um, but especially given Essendon the flag, they want to see a, a, an experienced coach, someone like a Hinkley who's already clearly got a job, or to try to lure a Ross Lyon or Don Pike or someone of that ilk out of... Um, out of uh, the media or assistant coaching or something like that, uh, that's where it becomes a harder sell. Uh, I think if you're going through a process and the assistant coaches are putting themselves up with just you know, a clue that are untried and go for any job, I think that's where you, you get a broad range of candidates. But if, you, if they are determined to get themselves a, a senior, co- a, a senior um, experienced coach, that's, uh, that's going to be a difficult sell, um, especially when... when especially if you're trying to lure someone who's got a good position as it is. Yeah, coughing up 600000 to give them certainly giving them one more year. If they got Clarkson, you know, maybe fair enough, but the rest has been handled awfully, and they came in at the 12th hour for him as well. Um, Robbie Gray, we saw the uh, Robbie Gray plays last game. I know you've seen a lot of good footballers around, Dan, but his career, and he, he just goes about it quite gracefully. You don't hear a lot of, uh, of Robbie, but um, 271 games, he's been a marvel. And when he first came in, I called him the – the poor man's Gary Ablett Jr. But I think as he went on, he wasn't quite Gary Ablett. But I tell you what, there weren't too many other players as close as Gary Ablett with what he could do. Yeah, a, a great player. I, I think, uh, look, I suppose in Victoria, Port Adelaide don't get that much attention. No surprise. I mean, he's a Victorian, um, Robbie Gray. And, and I think it's uh, to, to Port Adelaide's immense credit that they managed to keep him through, particularly early in his career, some difficult times. And, and maybe it's a testament to Robbie as well. Um, and, and his loyalty, but um, I mean, obviously, also the fact that he overcame cancer to come back and play some good footy. But um, I think Robbie Gray's legacy of all the of all the you know so many great performances and the showdown medals and all that. I think if there's one thing that sums up Robbie Gray, it was his just his incredible ability in close finishes. You know, he was the ice man. Yeah. We know that the finish after the siren against Carlton, that goal with a, a second left or whatever it was against yep. St Kilda. Um, I think it was that close finish against Richmond last year. On a Friday night, he had a critical involvement late. There's, there's probably a few others that I've forgotten. I think, you know, so, you know, really, when you think of the word clutch, and it sort of gets thrown around a lot, but, I mean, he was clutch as, he was as clutch as they came, Robbie Gray, and uh, really great that he could be, go out as a winner. And I, you, know, you know what I loved on Saturday night? I was watching, that's funny, I was sort of only keeping half an eye on the showdown because I was watching the Eastern Richmond game for the most part, but... Uh, his pass at the end to Todd Marshall. Yeah, I mean, he could have yeah, just gone, and yeah. gone for goal himself, and he passed it off, and that's just so like that. Some, you know, up, yeah. game, he would have been given the license to go from, from fifty-five out, but he went for the pass. He kicked the goal, and a great team man he was. Yeah, and to finish the all Australian squads out today, normally forty, isn't? I think forty-four this time, but two for the Crows: Rory Laird, Taylor Walker, and just the one Connor Rosie for Port. Any surprises that made it or missed out? Do you think there? Well, you're right, Richard. The biggest surprise for me was that it was 44. GST, I think. Unusual, 10%. It? Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe they did that because... I mean, I do find it a bit funny that this whole squad 
idea sort of brought in about 15 years ago. I, I think in part, you know, just to sort of, you know, I obviously recognises a few more players and build up a bit more excitement and interest around it. And I, the gay I love the debate around it, don't they? I mean, it's just great fodder and everyone's got an opinion on the All-Australian team. Uh, maybe they thought with 44 there'd be fewer controversies. Uh, look, not too many huge shocks. Interestingly, so Josh Dacos... Gets in the boat um, <laughs> ahead of Nick. Ahead of Nick. I know, I think there's an argument to say Nick would have been... Um, Nick, Nick could have uh, got, got in ahead of him. Um, now, look, I think Jordan Dawson's pretty stiff. I think yeah. he had a pretty good... Yep. Maybe faded a bit towards the end, but um, no, I don't, I don't think there were too many shots. I, I think the thing with the Australian squad is that um, you know, I think there'll be guys who will be stiff to miss the team, but I think when you, you know, those bottom few spots in the squad are probably guys that aren't going to make it. There's probably, I suppose, I haven't done the maths, but there's probably 30 that are legitimate chances to make the team. And then, you know, not just all those guys are clearly had good years, but there's probably maybe a, a dozen who are sort of half making up the numbers in the squad, but that's fine. It's um, good recognition to all of them. Yeah, Rory Laird's had an amazing year when you look at his stats consistent. Now, he, he might have outpointed a few of the, the bigger names uh, midfielders, but I, I bet you they get in the head of Rory Laird because Adelaide have finished down the bottom, but he, he can't do any more than what he's done. Every week, uh, Danny's been so consistent. He's only had, a cut, I think, one game under about 22 possessions. Yeah, he's had a really, really excellent year, Rory Laird. And you're right, probably flies a bit under the radar, especially when the team has not had a great year again. And, um, you know, he's been around for you know, a long time now. He got just 200 game the other week. But, uh you know, the fact that he's been able to reinvent himself from, from being a, a, an outstanding small defender, uh, you know, rebounding defender, to make himself a uh, an all-Australian squad-caliber midfielder and, you know, probably on the cusp of being in the 22. I mean, he can be very proud, um, and I'm sure he'll be, um, you know, right, very close to uh, winning, I'd imagine, what is another uh, Malcolm Blight medal, uh, to mention your absent uh, co-host. But, uh, yeah, just a, a great player and, um, yeah, deserves plenty of credit for, for a terrific year. I think he's a shoe in for his third uh, Malcolm Blight medal. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate uh, uh, your time. No dramas, guys. Take care. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.